God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Timothy chapter 1 verse 7. Hello and welcome to the Heartbeat of the Pro-Life Ministry Podcast. My name is Beth Bissonette, and I've been an executive director of a pregnancy resource center for 23 years. If you have a heart for the lives of the pre-born and for women in unplanned pregnancies, then I hope to educate, motivate, and inspire you, the pro-life believer, so that you can help to save and change lives for life and for Christ. Let's get into today's episode. A few listeners to this podcast, including Ruth and Maria, asked recently, how do I have a difficult pro-life conversation with someone who isn't pro-life? Now, in a previous episode, I addressed just a portion of that with six points on how to have a pro-life conversation. This episode is going to be how to address some of the fear that we experience when we get into those difficult pro-life conversations. And sometimes we find ourselves not initiating them, but being drawn into them. So we're not necessarily feeling prepared. And so that fear starts to bubble up. First, let me just say that I struggle with these conversations too. I don't always know what to say, especially if it's an unprepared conversation and it just kind of happens out of the blue. And I often come away from these conversations feeling grief, especially if the conversation was with somebody that I know well. I've had some very painful conversations with and felt attacked by my family members. And those conversations hurt the most because it's hard to understand how somebody that you love can't see the point of view that the preborn are the most innocent and defenseless and persecuted and annihilated people group on the face of the planet. And abortion isn't helpful for women. And so we all can feel fear sometimes having these conversations. Today, I want to talk to you about overcoming some of that fear of sharing your pro-life views. If you find yourself being drawn in to one of those difficult conversations about being pro-life, do you feel inadequate to the task? Do you find yourself frustrated or even angry after such a conversation? Almost 20 years ago, I remember a difficult conversation with a doctor. Now, obviously, because I still remembered, it really stuck with me. At the time, I had just been diagnosed with breast cancer. And so after surgery, the surgeon sent me to the oncologist. And I met with the oncologist for the first time. And sometimes you wind up having, or I wind up having, difficult conversations because often people ask, where do you work? And of course, when I share where I work, it immediately goes into such a conversation. And so the doctor asked me the question, where do you work? 
I told him, and he proceeded to share with me a story about a recent patient that he had who was young and pregnant. And he said that he told her that she had to have an abortion because she needed this treatment and she couldn't have the treatment if she followed through with the pregnancy. And he said it to me in a rather proud and boastful kind of way, even though he knew where I worked. Well, the rest of the conversation with him wasn't that great. I was there trying to get help for treatment for my own cancer. And he was sharing with me this story about a a patient that he'd sent for an abortion. And there were other things about that um, appointment that I had with him that I wasn't happy with. Now, maybe I was extra sensitive because I was in a place of fear because of my own diagnosis. Well, I went home that day from that appointment with the doctor and I told my husband about it. And I was so struck by the conversation with this doctor that the next day I wrote a letter to the doctor and I CC'd the CEO of the hospital on this letter. And I sent a copy to the doctor and I sent the copy to the CEO of the hospital. Yeah, yeah, I actually did that. And several days later, I received a phone call from the doctor apologizing to me that I had felt so uncomfortable by the conversation that we had had. He didn't apologize to me because of what he said. He apologized that he made me feel uncomfortable. And a couple of days later, I received a phone call from a different oncologist in the same practice, and he actually apologized for the interaction that I had with that first doctor. And he said, please, I have opened up an appointment for you tomorrow. Come in, I'll meet with you, and we'll have a lengthy conversation about your treatment. And that's exactly what happened. Now, for me, depending on the person who asks me, so what do you do for work? I assess the situation to determine if it's appropriate for what will probably be a lengthy and maybe even a heated conversation. I've learned not to increase the heat though. I keep myself and my responses calm and I try to listen well. And I got into that a little bit in my previous episode about the six points of how to have a conversation. Ask open-ended questions and listen to what their point of view is so that you know how to address those things. So are you feeling sure that the conversation you're about to have will lead to a personal attack against you or will for sure turn into a heated discussion so you just don't want to get into the conversation in the first place? That fear comes up and you're like, yeah, I'm not going to go there. Now, sometimes it does go that way, but sometimes even though we're sure that the person is going to be against us and what we believe, you might be surprised and find that they actually agree with you. Now, recently I've had to start seeing a new healthcare provider, a nurse practitioner, and she asked me where I worked and I'm like, okay, here we go. So I told her and she actually responded with, wow, I've never known anybody who actually worked in one of those places You have gone through a really hard time recently with all of the violence and the attacks and everything since Roe v. Wade was overturned. Hey, I really commend you for doing that work. Well, hey, was I surprised? 
No, I think I was actually pretty stunned because it showed me that it's not always an attack. It's not always a hard conversation. Sometimes the conversations can be edifying. Sometimes the conversations can be encouraging. And so don't let the fear hold you back. So let's get back to dealing with that fear we have that may be holding us back. When I started this podcast, I did not have the mistaken illusion that I would get a whole lot of downloads and would grow to have a whole lot of listeners. I mean, let's face it, who wakes up in the morning asking, hmm, where can I find a podcast about abortion today? Even for me serving in a pro-life ministry, I sometimes get overwhelmed with the reality of how many women are in pain as the result of an abortion, how many women are trying to make that decision today, and how many unborn lives continue to be lost. And I just need to have a break from it all. I need to just shut it all off and recharge my batteries sometimes. And so the thought of starting a podcast, even though I knew that's what God was asking me to do because he asked me to speak. If you've heard any of my story, you know that. But sometimes I get weary. Sometimes I get overwhelmed and sometimes I just need to turn it off. And when I find one of those conversations starting to happen, I need to make a decision. Am I going to have this conversation or not? There's a parable that Jesus shared in the gospel of Matthew chapter 25 that we know is the parable of the talents. In this scripture, the king or the master gives talents, which equal great sums of money to three servants. Now, the first two servants, they work with the talents given to them and they multiply the master's money. So when the master returns, he commends and rewards them for using those talents and multiplying them. Now, the third servant, he takes the one talent given to him and he buries it in the ground and does nothing with it. He returns the talent to the king without having made the effort to work to multiply what he'd been given. Now the king took the talent from the servant. He gave it to the one who had worked to multiply what he'd been given. And he punishes this last servant who does nothing with the talent. Now, I'm not a Bible scholar. And so I'm not going to delve deeply into the whole meaning of this parable. But I do want to share that for the longest time, I felt really sorry for that last servant. And I could relate somewhat to his hesitancy to do anything with that talent that he was given. I was relating to this man's fear because to me, he was too afraid to take the chance with that talent and do anything with it for fear of losing it, fear of risking the wrath of the king who he perceived as harsh and cruel. Now I can be like that sometimes, playing it safe, not taking the risk, not stepping out in faith when God's asked me to do something I think is hard. Can you relate? Now, as I've looked back over my years working at the pregnancy center, I've come to realize that I should should have done a lot more public speaking on behalf of pregnancy center ministry a long time ago. Now, I'm not trying to speak more highly of myself than I should, but I'm not really overly afraid of public speaking in and of itself. 
And I think God has given me the ability to do it. It's all the stuff around the public speaking, all the stuff beforehand, preparing for it, getting ready for it, the nerves leading up to it, and all of the things that happen after the public speaking, particularly interacting with other people. So why haven't I done more public speaking? Well, first, I don't interact with or people well. I'm a bit of an introvert. People who know me well know that. Public speaking itself is more preferable to me than all of the personal interaction with people that goes along with it. When I people a lot, I've learned that I also need to spend a significant amount of time alone in order to recharge my batteries. Now, I'm loath to admit all of this because as Christians, we're supposed to people a lot. I mean, didn't Jesus say to go into all the world, making disciples of all the nations? How am I going to do that if I can't interact well with people? I've had to pray and ask the Lord to help me to be a conduit of his love. Fill me, Lord, with your love to overflowing and let it flow from me to those that you put in my path. I can't do it on my own. And that has really left me feeling inadequate in God's eyes an introvert. I've asked so many times recently because I've done more public speaking, why God would you ask an introvert to do all of these things and interact with the public? But I see so many of his people who do it so well. And I've been so blessed to work with you and do life with you. Thank you for being an example to me of how love for others works and is meant to be. Now, the other thing that probably keeps me back is concern over the attack against pregnancy centers and the attack that I personally receive. As I've started this podcast, I hear podcasters say that the fear of being attacked and not liked is a false fear and it shouldn't keep you from sharing your message through your podcast, no matter what your message is. I mean, who cares if you're not liked? Who cares if someone says your message is stupid or unrelatable or worthless? Because they won't actually attack podcasters. They won't actually hurt you. And it's just their opinion. And they're only using words. But when I or any other representative of a pregnancy resource center speaks on a public platform, it can lead to physical attack on our facilities, legislative attack on our states and the chance that the very women who need our help when they're experiencing an unplanned pregnancy, they won't walk through the door of their local pregnancy center because of the lies being told by our enemies who will attack us and seek to shut us down. Women can believe that we're a place of judgment and unethical practices because that's what they're being told. For those in pro-life work like me, the attack isn't just perceived. It's not just an email that somebody shoots you because they think your podcast is stupid. It's very real. So I have to routinely fight the urge to give up and bury the value of the talent that God has given me in the dirt. Now, I, I bet I know what you're saying to me right now. But Beth, this isn't about you. This is about God and what he's asking you to do. 
If he is asking you to speak, then he will protect you, give you courage and everything you need to multiply the value of what he's given to you. Because if you don't do it, then women who need help won't know where to go and won't know how to get it. And people who are hearing my message about not to be stuck in the shame and guilt and silence of a past abortion, they're not going to hear that. Yeah, yeah, I know. And you're so right. It's the very reason why I've been willing to obey and serve him in the pro-life ministry for 23 years. I haven't always done it with joy, but I have done it out of obedience to God, to his call on my life, because I've known nothing else. I've understood that it's a calling to serve him in obedience. There's a scripture, restore to me the joy of my salvation and make me willing to obey you. I say that a lot to God. Now I meet routinely with other executive directors of pregnancy centers, and sometimes I can sense the weariness and battle that we all face or at one time or another. And I shared that with you in my last episode, the battle, the pregnancy center, and the church. And we have the chance as executive directors and you and me and our church family to do for one another like Aaron did with Moses in battle when he was weary and they held up his arms for him so that the Israelites would win. Now, I may not always people well, but I do recognize how much we need one another in what can often feel like a pro-life battle instead of pro-life victory. Thank you for holding up our arms in the pregnancy center for this battle. You're like the first two servants with the talents God has given you. You are using them well by supporting your pregnancy center, the staff, and your church. You are supporting this podcast to inspire and educate and motivate others to multiply the value and earn the king profits of love and life at your pregnancy center. I've learned not to feel sorry for that lazy servant who buried his master's talent in the dirt, even if it was out of fear. It seems the talents these three servants were given had immense value. And whether you view the talents, your talents as money, gifts, or work, You are using what you've been given for God's glory to the good of those he loves in order to help them to turn to him for salvation and life for them and their preborn. I'm joining you in that with my voice here on this podcast. And when I go out and do public speaking, I have to resist the fear and I will do that. So if you have a bit of fear about expressing your pro-life view, my suggestion is to check yourself with the Lord to see if there's anything there that God would like to address, that he would like to mend, that he would like to heal with you. Because God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. When you feel that little bit of inkling of fear, when you think, "Uh uh-oh, I'm about to have one of those pro-life conversations, 
Remember those six points that I shared with you. Remember to stay calm. Remember to slow the conversation down. Remember to pray. You can do it. Prepare yourself. And in future episodes, I'm going to give you some ways to actually have that conversation. So please share this podcast with people that you know, your pro-life brothers and sisters in Christ, so that they can be encouraged. And I would so appreciate you doing that. You can find all of the podcast episodes at theheartbeatpodcast.net. Thanks so much for spending some time with me again today. And remember, your life is precious. Precious.